Hello and welcome to Vimy Air. This is episode two. My name is Sam Fix. I'm a teacher here at Vimy Ridge Academy. With me is Mr. Travis Rollheiser and Mr. Blair Faulkner. Hey guys, how's it going? Greetings. Where where are you tuning in from? I am tuning in from uh, the bunker, aka my basement here at uh, Faulkner Mansion. I'm excited for this episode today, fellas. We have uh, a couple great guests on today. One of... uh, yeah, one of one of the classics uh, from Vimy, who is uh, no longer at Vimy, Mr. Graham Fleming. Um, it's going to be great to touch base with him and see what he's doing out east. And then, of course, student favorite, staff favorites, uh, Vimy favorites, Gord Stretch and uh, his stories. Stretcher. He's, uh, he's going to rock it. I know he is. So, Blair, speaking of Vimy staff and Vimy family, uh, you had something you wanted to say before we move on to our guest. Yeah, you know, we always try to throw out a few announcements and... Uh, in honoring our uh, positivity podcast that we have going, uh, this one maybe falls just underneath that. But uh, in the light of all the news happening within our world and uh, within Alberta, there's been a few cuts coming down uh, through the education world. And, and unfortunately, we're going to have to lose some of our Vimy family, um, some staff members that we, we truly adore and uh, staff members that make a huge difference in our Vimy um, community. And it's sad to see... Uh, some of them go you know you hope that uh, they will be back once everything gets up and running but you know we just want to throw out a huge shout out to those staff that do a whole bunch behind the scenes um, at Vimy. Yes I I definitely agree and that goes the same for people who are working maybe behind the scenes who don't often get a shout out or don't often get mentioned. Everybody here at Vimy is a family and we hate to see anybody go so we're hoping that those people that maybe get caught in a tough situation definitely be back next year because we will miss you and you do a great job of what you do. You guys did a great job of honoring them. So I'm just going to send it over to Trav here, who's going to introduce our guests. Well, before we get into that, one thing that uh, we've been asking a lot of our guests, our audience will hear it in this interview too, was some of the most embarrassing moments in in their teaching careers. And Uh, Sam, I'm just going to throw this to you and put you on the spot here. What is your most embarrassing moment in the classroom? And hopefully some of our listeners can can attest to this story if you have one. Oh, you guys got me back for putting you guys on the hot seat. Okay. Uh, the worst part about this is it's actually from this year. For those of you who can't see Mr. Fix's face right now, which is all of you, he's <laughs> flustered and he doesn't usually get flustered. Oh, uh, my it's hands are sweating. when he gets flustered, yeah. I've been nervous in a while, but you guys got me here. Okay. So I'm sure I have lots of embarrassing stories. My Chem 20 class went, went off the rails pretty quickly in the lab. It was a culmination of a little bit of lack of prep without checking beforehand, which again is my bad. So it's teaching 101. And then you mix that with some explosive in the chemistry lab. So the experiment is pretty simple. You, you get the experiment to release some hydrogen gas. You're supposed to collect it in a balloon. You light the balloon on fire, it explodes. It's amazing. I'm all jazzed up like I'm going to make it happen in front of my students. I set this up. I uh, have the, the reaction happening. The hydrogen gas is being collected in a, a rubber glove because I didn't have a balloon that I thought I had. Uh, I didn't have an elastic band that I was supposed to have. So I borrowed a hair elastic. I fill up the rubber glove. It fills up. It blows up. It's kind of funny. It looks like a giant hand. I get a lighter. I light the candle on the end of the ruler. And then I, hand, I, I put it underneath the glove. And the glove lights on fire before the hydrogen gas lights on fire. Because apparently they're flammable. The hydrogen gas lights on fire. And now there's a big fire in the chem lab. And I'm trying to tell the students what's going on with the lab and pretend like it's supposed to be happening, but really it's burning my hand and I'm panicking. The, the glove that's still on fire, I throw it in the fume hood. And <laughs> close, I close the glass door 
and the fire is still going on and I'm trying to talk to the chem class like I like it's supposed to be happening in there, but they can tell because my face is turning red and I'm super, super flustered again. I feel the same way I do now. <laughs> Anyways, Reese Jones, I owe you a hair elastic and it's still coming. I'm sorry. Trav, do you remember when we were student teaching, we were both uh, helping out with the badminton team. I think Mr. Faulkner was helping out as well. And there was a badminton pole stuck in the floor. So speaking of most embarrassing moments, this, this could be mine. <laughs> okay, well, I, I'm telling the story. Oh, so. Man. so I go to pull out the pole, can't handle it. It's, it's in there too strong. So obviously Mr. Rollheiser, the strongest guy in the room comes over to help. And we both can't get this pole out of the floor. And Mr. Weinberger, I think he was the athletic department head at the time. Yeah. Asked the question, how many student teachers does it take to pull a badminton pole out of the floor? And we both just walked away and couldn't handle it. I the think he came out and pulled it over with one two. hand. <laughs> Needless to say, we have learned from our mistakes. We can now each handle our own Babbitton pull. It only Not took a brand more. new gym floor for us to be able to handle it. Okay, well, uh, enough about Mr. Fix. Uh, Thank you. I think we should probably get into our first guest. Um, so as Mr. Faulkner said earlier, we have a great lineup today, Mr. Fleming and Mr. Gord Stretch. In our next couple episodes, we also have some fantastic guests, mix of staff, people in the community, and current students. Uh, but without further ado, uh, let's send this off to Mr. Graham Fleming. Okay, our next All guest right. on Vimy Air is Graham Fleming. He's our first out-of-town guest, tuning in all the way from Ottawa. He spent eight years at Vimy. He taught science. He taught social. He taught math. He taught PE. He coached volleyball, basketball. He was our phys ed department head for two years, athletics department head for the same two years. There was nothing this guy did not do at Vimy. Aside from say no to things, he worked so hard and we're happy to have him on the Vimy Air podcast. It's good to see you, Flem. We haven't yeah. seen you for a long yeah, time. I'm kidding. Wow. Thank you very much. It was uh, nine and a half years, by the way, but that's a lot. Nine and a half. Yeah, yeah. I'm was also half your student teaching? Uh, no, I got hired in March. But uh, people probably didn't even notice I was in the building for the first year and a half anyway, so we'll call it eight. Well, first of all, I think we need to make sure everyone knows that three of us here are superb goaltenders and one of us is not. Well, I'm certainly the only guy who didn't play anywhere useful in hockey. Well, and of that other group, of I'm, I'm the weak link too. So it, it's uh, an honor to be accompanied uh, with the two elite goaltenders that I am here. Uh, anyways, the part I missed was that Graham Fleming was also Travis Rollheiser's mentor teacher when he did a student teaching here at Vimy. Mr. Fleming taught me everything I knew and I've done a terrible job of implementing it uh, yeah, right. because he's way better than I'll ever be. Yeah. yeah All three Rolly. of you did student poor, teaching at Vimy, Rolly. did you not? Yeah. Uh, Mr. Fix and I did our student teaching at the same time when I was with Flem. Uh, Sam, you were with Dustin Schwartz, right? Yeah. And, and Flem was Schwartz yours? Yeah. 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 And Blair, that was your first year at Vimy. Yeah, you bet. So we all kind of met roughly around the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, Flem, maybe kind of putting you on the spot here. What's the first thing or first memory that you have of either myself or Mr. Fix? And please don't pump our tires here. Okay. Uh, well, that's going to be hard to do, guys. You know, I think very highly of you. Um, I, I said don't pump our tires. Positivity. Positivity. No, you know what? I'm going to be totally honest. For both of you, sharp-dressed individuals. I was intimidated by that because I thought, you know what? I, You're I'm wearing not putting a Jerry on a nice Seinfeld iron, yeah, you know, my shirt had wrinkles in it. I didn't have my, yeah, the Seinfeld look, right? I had the, the running <laughs> shoes with like the khakis and the, the golf shirt that somebody probably gave me along the way. And then these, uh, these handsome fellows show up and they got like the latest style. They got their, uh, you know, skinny ties and their pocket squares. And Wow, have I gone uh, downhill? 
Mr. Rollheiser, what was your first impression of your uh, mentor team? Well, Good one. I, yeah, this is a great question. I think I met Flem a little before the practicum just because I had helped out being support staff with uh, Vimy Hockey and maybe something else in the hockey world. So I think I did get to meet Flem before. Um, definitely one of my most, or I guess one of my first impressions was he's so responsible everything that he does is just so thought out and it's it's he's so good at everything he does he is a very organized fella that's for sure thanks really i, I tried really hard to impress you so I, i'm glad that uh it, it worked where are you where are you teaching now flint like what's your assignment uh before this crisis okay <laughs> so let, let's hear it <laughs> get settled in okay yeah uh, how does it go start the campfire um okay so context for my nine and a half years at Vimy, I was I started off seven to nine, and then moved on to mostly high school after the, after a few years of that with a little bit of grade seven hockey. So I was never younger than grade seven, and most comfortable at high school. And uh, so now I am teaching at Chelsea Elementary School in the beautiful community of Chelsea, Quebec. Um, imagine. Um, like a, a more dialed back version of Canmore. So it's just outside of Ottawa, just north of Ottawa, about 15 minutes. Beautiful, beautiful community, tons of outdoor activities, tons of government workers um, make up the population because they, they work for the federal government in Ottawa. And so I have 26 grade three students. So uh, eight year olds essentially. And uh, I see the same kids all day, every day. Yeah. So guys, I am not kidding. I I've been through some cool experiences in my life and some challenging stuff uh, here and there. I had a full-on anxiety attack for the first time in my life the <laughs> night before my first day of teaching because I was going, what am I getting myself into? These kids are going to know that I'm a complete, complete uh, phony, that I don't know what I'm doing. And so I got through it. I got there. And I was my first day of school, about an hour in, I was thinking about all of you. And my other former colleagues, Aww. you guys could be flies on the wall because after all the kids got settled and, you know, I'm introducing myself and they're at, you know, as high as my waist, they're, they're just little, little <laughs> kids. And what happens? They all sit down on the carpet and I sit down on this tiny little chair and I start reading them a story. <laughs> <laughs> so about an hour into day one, I went, wow, this is something I never thought I'd do in my teaching career. Um, but uh, they loved it. And the more into it I got, the more into it they got. So um, it's uh, kind of, you, you never know where life's going to take you, but it's been tons of fun. How was that whole process in applying to teach, whether it be in Ottawa or in, I guess just across the river in Quebec, how was that whole process of basically having to start again from the application process to getting a job? And obviously you should, and you have got a job very quickly, but what was that whole thing like? Well, I, I don't want to say it was a nightmare um, because that would be a little bit disrespectful to people that actually have to go through a little more of a challenge um, in quitting jobs and, and moving with a, a young family. But it was so <laughs> taxing as far as like all the teaching I've done up to this point basically meant nothing. You're starting over again. So, for example, to work in Ontario, I would have to start off for a minimum of two years on the sub list. So that wasn't super appealing because I kind of been there, done that. In the Western Quebec School Board, it's a little bit different, um, but you're starting off again. So they recognize your experience as far as, you know, your pay scale and all that boring stuff. But uh, 
getting your foot in the door. It's just like uh, being a young Travis Rollheiser fresh out of his practicum with Mr. Fleming, where you're just sort of trying to get any, any job you can, trying to get your foot in the door and, and to complicate things a little bit more. I don't speak French at all, which has made teaching in Quebec a little bit interesting. And anyway, that's enough of that. But I, what, like, like, or how do things work for you over there? Because you're doing elementary now, right? That's a, yeah. a big change to begin with, let alone now not being able to go in. Yeah, well, it was a big change when I was actually teaching. And now it's just probably the same as everybody else around here. At, uh, but yeah, it's really weird. Like they, um, they're pretty quick here to, to say, um, we're shutting it down. That's it. But then they didn't know what to do next, or it took a while to get that going. So we're still trying to roll out what we're actually going to do for the kids. So for example, um, we like weren't really allowed to give our kids any schoolwork um, because they were worried that you know, if little Timmy doesn't have the internet or Susie doesn't have access to a printer, that's not really fair for them, right? So literally two weeks of doing nothing. But uh, yeah. Flem, has your, did your school, when it shut down, were you able to get back into your school? Is there anyone in your school? Are you, are you strictly like you were at home and whatever you brought home that day is what you have? Yeah, exactly that. You just, we left on a Friday. We found out about noon on Friday, the 13th of March. And then left and and left kind of thinking, okay, it's going to be, you know, they said two weeks, but I'm sure it was the same for you guys. Like, how is it only going to be two weeks, right? Like, it wasn't as if everything was going to be fine in two weeks. So, um, yeah, that was it, though. So does that? So just because we're huge on positivity here, what's one positive you can take out of this scenario? Oh, Uh, got so many. I know, Mister Positive. Where do I start, Mister Faulkner? Yeah, Yeah. he wins Uh, on Mister Positive. Yeah. Um, no, you know what? Um, not having time was not an excuse to not do the things I wanted to do. Cause <laughs> I kept thinking like, Oh, I'll totally do this. If I, uh, if I had time or if I had time, I'd do that. I still haven't done a lot of that stuff. So, uh, taking away some of the excuses, I guess. If we go it, back it, one calendar year oh my goodness, to your to-do list at Vimy Ridge oh right now in March or sorry, April 2nd, yeah. yeah, you would have 46 things on the go. You'd be here at 6 p.m. working, yeah. probably a little bit stressed. You know what? I'm finding out how stressed I actually was because when you're in the moment, you're like, oh, this is just it's just a, a Wednesday or, or whatever. It right? looks and, like uh, you, you got rid of a couple of the grays that you might have developed last year. The <laughs> well, color's starting I, to come back. Yeah. You know, I, I put the cap on to, to fly the flag, but also to hide any of the additional grays I may have acquired. But uh I'm certainly feeling more well-rested than, than I was at this time last year. I know you had a wedding plan for this summer. Yeah. Which we're all pumped. Yeah, to we're come all here. super excited <laughs> yeah, about. are still coming, right? Um, how <laughs> has that changed or has it yet or what are you guys thinking? Uh, well, we, we've been having discussions about what to do. Um, that's not until July, so we're remaining optimistic. And um, out of respect Us for too, our we're guests, very obviously. Positive over here. <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. You, you're more than welcome to come regardless, right? Um, well, I mean, it's, it's lockdown right now. Um, for example, that from Ottawa to Gatineau right across the river, it's, it's Ontario to Quebec and Quebec is not letting people cross from Ontario into Quebec. Um, but it would be like telling people who live on the South side of the river in Edmonton that they can't go to the North side of the river. Um, and they do that all the time. You know, people work in Ottawa that live in Gatineau and, uh, vice versa. So well, like uh, you weren't, aren't you teaching in the Quebec district? 
Yeah, so this is just new in the last few days and, and you can get a note um, or, or a letter from your employer or um, prove what it is you're having to do. So um, I would be able to go there, no problem. But uh, if you're just going to visit your cottage or if you're going to get groceries or things like that, visit relatives, you're not allowed to. So um, if that stays in place, we're going to have a hard time getting married uh, in Quebec. But uh, yeah, we're, we're remaining optimistic and and it wasn't going to be a fancy wedding. Um, so it's not like we have thousands and thousands of dollars in uh, non-refundable deposits that we're worried about. <laughs> we're, we're just hoping that it'll be a good excuse for everyone to get together again after this all settles down. And right now we're just uh, hoping that, that that's exactly what happens. But uh, yeah, we'll we're definitely that. hopeful. Otherwise oh, Mr. Yes. Fix has to take back his three piece tux that he just bought. <laughs> Flem, thanks a lot for coming on. It's yeah. been really nice to catch up. I know our listeners are going to be, Really appreciative of hearing what you had to say and, and what your life looks like now. Yeah. Hey, well, thanks. Great talking to you guys. I'm missing everybody there, the, the staff, the students, the the building. It was too bad. They got that uh, beautiful renovation done and then I, I left town. But uh, I know it's in, in great hands and I, I love following the Instagram and, and Twitter and everything. Keep tabs on what's going on at the school. It's great. Roll, he's doing an awesome job. Rollheiser does a great job with that. Yeah. The head tech teacher <laughs> of the year. No, oh, everyone's, everyone's way too nice here. That's, that's not true. <laughs> well, we, we definitely hope moving forward that um, your wedding and all the other plans that we have this summer to move around the country and visit each other. And um, that's, that's possible. But yeah, thank you very much again for joining us, Flem. Okay. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks again to Mr. Fleming. It's, uh, it was great to hear his voice. We, uh, we haven't caught up with him for a while, so it's pretty interesting to hear his stories on what's going on out east and get his uh, uh, his perspective on things, his yeah. positive perspective on things. Very positive. Yeah. The, the one interesting thing that stood out for me was his first impression on YouTube and how he thought you were snazzy dressers. Yeah. Uh, that, was, uh, that was good because honestly now, uh, Mr. Rollheiser, you are one of, the, uh, one of the select few who wear shorts all the time. Uh, like myself, there's a couple yeah. of us in the building that, that like to wear shorts, no matter the weather. Um, Built for I, comfort. We, yeah, well, it is. You know, we we push the season, we stretch the season. It's it's always short season. And Mr. Fix is still in his uh, snappy attire, so he has. He always uh, looks good. It's it's that doesn't change. He's trendy. He's, he's good. He's good. So, um, no, that's pretty. That's pretty interesting. His uh, first impression, because I remember my first impression on YouTube, and all I heard was. Oh, they play hockey. I wonder if I can get them for my uh, rec hockey team. <laughs> Just always recruiting for the Hammerheads. Hey? Always recruiting. Yeah. But yeah, again, it was good to hear from Mr. Fleming and I uh, can't wait to hear what uh, Stretch has for us. Yeah. So one thing that we'll end up finding out here uh, in this next interview with Mr. Stretch is if you didn't already know, he's quite musically inclined. He's played in a couple of bands. He plays a variety of instruments and uh, he's a pretty generous guy and he's generous enough to actually create his own intro music for his interview. Um, so we'll play a little extended version uh, of this track that he recorded for us. Uh, so we hope you enjoy that and we hope you enjoy the interview that follows.
up next, our next guest on, on Vimier, we'd like to welcome in someone who knows a lot about gold, diamonds, whatever base metal you want to talk about. He was an exploration geologist. He has his master's of science from Queen's University, his ed degree from UBC. He teaches anything science at Vimy. He is a student favorite and probably most importantly has a PhD in coffee drinking. Mr. Gord Stretch, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Faulkner. That's a, that's a very nice intro and it makes me sound a lot better than I am, but I'll take it. it everyone at Vimy, again, we've, we've seen this, it's everyone's so humble. No one wants to talk about themselves and everyone has a laundry list of accolades. Because we're only focused makes, on positivity, Blair. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it, which makes Vimy so awesome. Everyone uh, has a lot of accomplishments in their lives. I think my list of accolades is pretty short. <laughs> the B.Ed. <laughs> took me six years to get it, too. <laughs> if uh, any of the Vimy students would like to talk about base metals, that's one of my favorites. And I can set up two projectors in the gym and uh, I probably need, uh, you know, no more than three or four hours with the two projectors, a couple of screens, and we'd lock the doors so that they couldn't get out. Because what I've found over the years is that if you really want to capture people's attention and hold it, talk about rocks. Talk about <laughs> rocks a lot. Rocks really gets them. Yeah, it gets them and it holds them, especially with the ladies. I've had really great success with that. <laughs> Oh, and I so why don't we get one... into what you did before teaching? Tell us what you did. Um, yeah, what does an exploration geologist mean? Well, it's neat. The, uh, I, I fell into geology by accident at U of A, actually, uh, a long time ago. I started off there in economics and, and had taken a couple of geology courses just as science options. And, uh, and, and loved them. I found it absolutely fascinating. So as I got in, into a geology program then at U of A, there's hard rock geology, which is what, when I, what I went into. There's soft rock geology, which is mostly oil and natural gas exploration. And then there's environmental geology, which is a huge uh, thing these days, but I never got into that. So where were some of the mines that you worked in, Gord? Where did you go up to? I toured mines in the Northwest Territories mostly, and uh, one in Red Mountain, Nevada. Um, the exploration work that I did was mostly, again, Northwest Territories, Nunavut, was a lot of it up in the high Arctic, Southeast British Columbia. Uh, I did about six months in South Africa for a while. That was very interesting. And uh, a little bit in Eastern Canada as well, a little bit down in the, in the sort of central states. After the geology side of things, what was next in the life of a young G-stretch? Well, the, uh, when I was at Queens, so I, I finished at U of A and then worked a little bit and then decided to go and do a master's degree on a project I really was interested in. When I was there, the seed was planted for teaching because I, I was a lab assistant or I had to teach an undergrad course on mapping methods or something in the geology faculty there. And, and I loved it. And I received some really, really positive feedback about my teaching style. And, and that sort of always simmered in the back of my head that, uh, that this was very enjoyable for me and, and quite fulfilling. And then I went and worked another decade or so in geology. And then, and then in 
about 1999 or 2000, decided to go back and, and sort of take a left turn with, uh, with careers and did, a, did an after degree in education at UBC. And yeah, the rest is history. I love teaching. I find it very fulfilling and, and I like being around the kids. It's fantastic. So right from the beginning, you've been a you've been a student favorite, right from your your labs back in Queens, right to your uh, the labs at Vimy. It sounds like the the students have loved you since day one. I think so, mostly because I actually know very little, and I, I'm sort of barely out of high school myself, and so I feel that we're just sort of all on the same page as learners, and it works really well for me. It's good. I feel like you're you're one of the teachers that thrives off of conversation and just being in an environment with students around you that you can build off those conversations and things like that. So how is, you know, switching to an online learning model or not being in front of the kids affected your style of teaching? Yeah, that's a good question. You might have to, maybe better for me to ask my students that one. So it's challenging for me because I mean, I mean, you nailed it, Travis. It's with me, I, I really do try to try to be with the kids in the class and, and sort of generate an atmosphere where, where we're all sort of working and learning together. It's challenging. I don't like not having the connection. I don't like not being able to see their faces every day and be with them. Now, now that's the bad news. The good news is the Google meetings I've set up are unbelievably well attended. Uh, yesterday, for example, my Block 4 Physics 20 class, every single person was there. It was great to see them. Um, I'm receiving positive feedback as well about how those are going. I've developed a system where I can do problems and they can, they can see me doing the problems and they can hear my voice. So I, I, I hope that's working well for them. We've heard from a couple of students that are in your class that, that you're a fan favorite still, even with the video videos that you're posting, they're having fun with them. So the feedback we get from kids all the time, and, and that's kind of where you get a buzz on how teachers relate to students is from the actual students. You are absolutely a fan or student favorite. And we've heard that a few times already. What's the most embarrassing thing you've done in your 20 ish year career? Oh man, that's, that's an easy one. That you can tell on here. That's an easy one. Wow. I think I can tell it on here. I've told this to my classes. It, people will recognize this story. So I was a very new teacher. And I was teaching projectile motion in physics 20. And I had, you'll have to picture this in your mind's eye. I was trying to draw a cannon, uh, shooting a cannonball <laughs> out of it. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. Anyway, I wasn't uh, laughing. It was, it was those guys. It was a cannon that had the two big wheels on either side of it. Uh, like Bugs Bunny style. Those are necessary details mind. for physics, you think? <laughs> and... And, and as I was drawing it, and my art, my art skills weren't that good back then, uh, you can imagine what I ended up drawing on the, on the whiteboard. Especially, actually, that was back in chalkboard days. Especially when, when I drew the cannonball coming out of the cannon, I tried to embellish <laughs> and make it exciting by drawing push, push. Motion lines. Exactly go fast stripes and like explosive like stuff coming out of the cannon alongside the ball. Well, the class is killing themselves laughing and I could not figure <laughs> out why they were laughing. I saw, I saw this cannon and I thought I was doing a really good job of drawing it and I couldn't 
get all the laughing. And I was thinking, is there something on me? Is there something on my shirt? Is there something on my face? I'm like doing this sort of check. Is my fly down? Nope, nope. Check, check, check. Everything's okay. And then, and then all of a sudden, I kind of stepped back and saw what I had drawn. And it was just like, <laughs> that's not a cannon. No. Anyway, I just know that that was the end of that class. Uh, we, <laughs> we all had a good laugh. And I, well, they had a great laugh. As a very new teacher, I was mortified. I thought I was going to lose my job. Gord, another another love of yours would be uh, would be music. So as you talked about, uh, you know the the hard metals and and your uh, exploration. Um, what about your exploration into music, and whether it be hard rock music or uh, your other taste of of music? What's going on with that? I I I still play. My mom was a music teacher, so music's been a big part of my life. Uh, for, for my whole life, pretty much. So I've played guitar in several bands, none, none of which we ever did anything all that good other than have a lot of fun. Um, maybe got a bar tab paid once or twice. I like singing, but I'm terrible at it. And I, I, play, I can play some bass and I can play some drums and some keyboards, but none of those things very well. Um, like a lot of instruments, you know, drums are easy to play but very difficult to play well best band i was ever in or best band name anyways the pinto burn victims how good of a name is that i have a question from a listener gord this question comes from simon danforth who's in your physics 20 class and cassidy rhodes who's in your science 10 class last semester i believe they would like to know when you started drinking coffee and how you became such an avid coffee drinker I think the only place I actually bump into Gord is right beside the coffee machine every day. Uh Oh, he makes a good pot of coffee. He does. Truth is I actually never leave that spot. Mr. Roll. (laughs) This whole teaching thing, you know, I've got a big center learning one. I've got this classroom and these kids come and go and I'm actually never there. I know seriously. uh, So I started drinking coffee in, um, I started drinking coffee in my grade 12 year. No, my grade 11 year. Because the girl that I liked back then was in grade 12 and she was a year older. And I used to go, there was a restaurant in a little strip mall beside the school. Um, The server's name was Marilyn. And Marilyn would just, four or five of us would go over and sit around and drink coffee and drink coffee. And at first I was just doing it because this girl I liked did it and we all did it. I just sort of did it to be cool, I guess. So, yeah. Gord, we know you could talk all day and we would love to listen to your stories. Uh, but we have fairly short episodes, so we're going to wrap this up. Thanks again, Gord, for joining us on the podcast. I know definitely some students are going to tune in to listen to you. And hopefully we can have you on here again sometime, maybe when we actually are back in school. Cool. Yeah, I look forward to it. Thanks a lot for your time, guys. Thanks, Thanks Mr. Gord. Stretch. Have a good one. Well, that was great to hear from two of the most positive people that have ever walked the Vimy hallways before. <laughs> I thought it was interesting to hear Gord talk about him tuning in with his garage band and, uh, and playing. Uh, Sam or Trav, do you have any good karaoke stories that you could share right now? Any good air band stories? I know Trav loves karaoke. I, uh, yeah, I, I do. And I'm a big shower singer as well. 
Um, I'm also one of those people that you'll probably see stopped at a red light in traffic, putting on my own concert for myself and my vehicle. Um, that's about as far as the stories that I'm going to tell go. I'm not a karaoke guy. I love to dance, but the singing is no bueno for me. Sam is a very good dancer. Singing is not my forte as well. Uh, Trav, what's your go-to air instrument? Air instrument? Probably the spoons. I'm a big spoon guy. <laughs> air spoons. Interesting. I don't know if I've ever seen that. No, um, spoons is probably top two along, along with drums. I, I, yeah. try, I try to avoid the air guitar as much as possible. Drums and spoons are probably my jam. That's hilarious. That's good. <laughs> the air spoons, that might become a thing. I hope so. Mr. Faulkner, last time you had an issue with how I signed things off, why don't you try and top, top me? Well, it, uh, it's still in the works. Episode two and uh, no correct sign off. So thanks again for listening. We'll work Take on care. that one. We'd again like to thank Mr. Graham Fleming and Mr. Gord Stretch for the interviews. Music brought to you by PurplePlanet.com and Mr. Gord Stretch himself. This entire podcast has been a Vimeo Ridge Academy production.